Hallelujah. How can we not love Him back? There's anything that's lacking today in relationships with God and fellowship with God. It's people that don't desire fellowship with God. That don't love Him back enough to seek Him. We can seek Him for healing, seek Him for health, seek Him for a job, seek Him to heal our marriage, seek Him to heal our bodies, restore uh, things in our life. But to seek Him for Himself, to seek Him for who He is and what He's done for us, that's what's lacking. And with all of the programs and formulas for revival, there's nothing, nothing greater than when the heart begins to fall in love with Jesus. Amen. Because if a man love me, you keep my commandments and they won't be grievous unto him. Amen. If we love him, we'll take up our cross and follow him. And we won't find the cross a burden. We will see it as a blessing because we're blessed to enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I don't want to just know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. That I might then know him in the power of his resurrection. Resurrection power doesn't just come because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You did receive power. But resurrection power, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, indwelling you and animating you now, quickening you now. You see, the resurrection is not something future for the believer. It's going to occur in the future for the physical body, but spiritual life. Being We were dead in trespasses and sins, and the Bible said, and you hath he quickened. That means given life, who were dead. We were separated from God. We were dead as far as any relationship to God and with God until we confessed our sin, received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then we were given life. That same life force that brought Jesus from the dead brought our fallen soul and gave it life eternal. Praise God for it today. Hallelujah. Everybody say communion. Jesus taught something that made them walk away from him. Turn their back on him. To the point that all the people that followed him for fish and loaves and people that followed him for healing and health, they left him. Because of a proclamation that he said. They had a problem like is still occurring today. They had a religion that was right. And a relationship that was wrong. I mean, know the Jewish religion and they were doing what they were commanded to do. The temple worship was carried on as prescribed. But they didn't know God. They were not pursuing a relationship with him. Jesus came. They didn't recognize him. And Jesus said, if you'd known my father, if you really knew my father, if you knew the God that you're talking about and praying to, and, and uh, you know, you can pray to a God that you don't really know. You don't know him. You've got a right religion and a wrong relationship. They had it in, in Ephesus. They were practicing the right religion. Jesus starts out saying, you're Christians, and I commend you. You pursue the truth, and I commend you. You try them that say they're apostles and are not and found them to be liars. And I commend you. You're being persecuted and you're standing your ground. And I commend you. 
Everybody say the right religion. But he said, I've got somewhat against you, and it must have shocked them at that point. Because if you've got the right religion, what could possibly be wrong? There are people today, they don't love him. They're in church this morning practicing the right religion. But they're not going to take up no cross when they leave church in order to follow him. Amen. They're in church today because they like the way the choir sings. They're in church today because they want to keep that foot in the door in case they need God's help in their life. They want to show up and make sure they, you know, he records that they showed up to practice the right religion. But they're not seeking him because they love him. And they want a relationship with him. And Jesus didn't just die to get us to heaven on the right religion. He died to reestablish a right relationship with God. And that's what righteousness is. It's being right, wise with God. And it allows for fellowship. We have access with confidence through the faith of him. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain grace, mercy, grace to help in the time of any need. David said in the old covenant, God wanted it even back then when we didn't have these kind of opportunities the cross has given us. David said, when thou saidest, seek my face, I said, thy face will I seek. Can you say amen? My grandson needed to borrow the mower yesterday. So he called me, and I'm glad that he did. And, uh, but he didn't come to see me. And I'm not saying that to be mean or anything. I'm just saying the call wasn't, how are you, Papa? I like Papa because grandfather isn't cool enough for me. Amen. <laughs> Papa, Papa sounds, it doesn't sound as old, does it, Grandpa? <laughs> what, what do they call you, Papa? Papa. Oh, man, you're way too cool for people. You know that. Amen. Anybody that coordinate with his wife's blouse for Sunday morning, you know he's way cool, right? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you. You look like you belong together, and you do. Hallelujah. Pamela and I are going to try that. Praise God. Well, you see her in her white shirt and tie next Sunday. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Everybody say, right religion. Wrong relationship. Is it possible to have the right religion and have a wrong relationship with God? Not only is it possible, it's probable. Because too many people have that kind of relationship. The Jewish religion was right, but their relationship was wrong. They didn't know God. They didn't seek to know God. They sought things from God. But they didn't seek to know God. And you can see Paul's... Paul had the right religion. He really did. He said, if any man have a reason to boast, I'm more. I'm a Jew of the Jews. <laughs> Amen. I, I was circumcised the eighth day according to the law. And concerning the law, I am blameless. He lied on that because all of sin had come short. But they didn't see themselves. They had the right. You want the most, the most self-righteous people, the hardest people to reach with the gospel are people with the right religion without a true relationship. 
And that's why many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, on that day when they stand before Him. Because they, were, they had the right religion. They were New Testament students of Scripture. But they never confessed their sin and came to know Christ as their Savior. They never sought to follow Him. Just to get to heaven. And get the help we need here on the earth until we get to heaven. So he says to a church with the right religion that he's commending them on four or five different things. And he said, but I've got something against you. It must have shocked them. Because people practicing the right religion don't want to hear what's wrong. We don't need repentance. She does. He does. But we don't need it. That denomination is all messed up. But ours is practicing the right religion. You're wrong. We are right. And that was what Jesus found when he came. And by the way, it wasn't Rome. Rome authorized Pilate. And it wasn't Pilate who wanted him on the cross. What did Pilate say about him? I find no fault in him. And he washed his hands as if he could cleanse his responsibility for authorizing them to have him manipulated into putting him on that cross. He thought if, if they beat him as bad as I know that these hardened soldiers can beat a man. And I bring him out and say, behold the man in that condition. Visage marred more than any man's way before they nailed him to the cross. Maybe it will appease them. What, could, what more could they want me to do? And they screamed, crucify him. And you know who was screaming, crucify him? It wasn't the Roman soldiers. It wasn't Caesar. It wasn't Pilate. It was the priest and the high priest practicing the right religion with a wrong relationship with God. Practicing the right religion, they come down, the, a, a priest and a Levite come down, and they see a man that's fallen among thieves, and they have tried to kill him. Dead men tell no tales, so they wanted to kill him, so there'd be no witnesses. And they came and they saw that he was not a Jew. And you know what they did? Practicing the right religion, with the wrong relationship to God. And the wrong, wrong representation of God in that right religion. You know what they said? They passed him by. They didn't. To touch him would be considered that they were, they were touching an unclean man. He's a Gentile. Have nothing to do with him. Isn't that amazing what religion can do without relationship? Misrepresent God. In such a way. God was misrepresented to me when I first got saved. And I loved my pastor and I loved the Pentecostal church organization. But I didn't get rooted and grounded in love. I sang that he loved me. Amen. You didn't get it either. What moved me to do what I did mainly, it was fear. If you don't give, God's going to get His. Either you're going to get sick, your wife is going to... See, 
You don't give because you love. You're never provoked to love and good works. You're just provoked to say, I better do this or I'm going to get it in the neck. And don't get me wrong, God chastens us when we are wrong. But that's not the, what He wants to do to get us to serve Him. Amen. <laughs> what, what bears all things, believes all things, endures all things, never ends and never fails? Love! And so God provokes us to love and to good works. How did He get Peter to serve Him to the death This man that was so quick to deny him in fear of suffering and die. What did he do? Did he say, Peter, go ahead and go fishing. But when you get out in the middle of that lake, you better have your water wings on. Because that boat going to break up and sink. And I have prepared an alligator to swallow you whole. Take you into the swamp. I'm telling it Florida style. Can you say, man, <laughs> something you can relate to? And take you out to the swamp and, 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 and move you out, whether he burps you up or however. Amen. There's two ways to get out of an alligator. I'd prefer being coughed up, but, you know, there's two ways. At least you get out, right? <laughs> Merciful Jesus, thank you. I'm out. Amen. Jonah, he got burped out, didn't he? Praise God. Amen. And he ran to Nineveh. God didn't want to put him through that, to get him to obey him and to serve him. That's not how God wants service. And that's why he never fell in love with God and didn't care nothing about them people neither. He feared the Lord in a dread of God, and he didn't care nothing about the people he was preaching to. Right religion, wrong relationship. He finally went down there and says, All right, after what I've been through, you want me to tell them they're going to kill me anyway, but I'm going to tell them then. Bless God. He's going to whoop you. He's going to, and he was. That was the message. Judgment is coming on you. And then he climbed up. He said, Well, I did it. I hope you're happy. I did it. He went up on a hill. He sat down on that hill and he waited for the fireball to come and kill him. Yes, he did. And it got so hot that he almost had a stroke, heat stroke. And God in His mercy for His man had a, had a gourd vine grow up immediately with big leaves to shade him. And he's sitting under an agricultural miracle of an umbrella. Amen. And God speaks to him about the people that he's waiting to see destroyed. And he said, he said, you know something? Oh, by the way, when he got, kept that attitude after God showed himself mercy, the shade he was under, it withered and went down. Now, he didn't have no mercy. Are you with me today? See, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Judge not lest you be judged. For the, and this is what I fear for people. I see it happening because God's laws are unbreakable. They work. There's a lot of things in life that don't work, but God's laws work. 
Amen. God is not mocked. Whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And many Christians are sowing the wrong seed in attitude and activity all week long and coming to church praying for a crop failure. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, say amen with me. Amen. We don't want what we've been sowing. Well, all I can tell you is change your seed. You can't just have hands laid on you and then go back and keep sowing the same old seeds of bad attitude and criticism and and everything else in the world. There are people wrong in their heart, but they're practicing the right religion. So they're not going to deal with the wrong in their heart. See, I'm biblical. I'm scriptural. I've had them point at it, thump it. Thought they were going to thump me with it. Right religion. No love of God. No love for you. No love for me. But I got the right religion. And the wrong relationship. And people in that condition put Jesus on the cross. And Jesus said, if you had known my father, practicing this right religion, if you had a real relationship with God, and you would have known him, you would have known me. You would have recognized me instantly because I came out from him. You want to know what run people off with the right religion and the wrong relationship? His disciples would have left. But they said, there's nobody else got the words of eternal life. See, that right religion didn't give them the assurance for their soul that only Christ could give them. He talked about a spiritual partaking. Not just what we did here today, symbolic, but a spiritual partaking. There's more to Holy Communion than just remembering Jesus on the cross. It is also figurative of a spiritual partaking of Christ, a fellowship relationship with Him. The Bible said in 1 John, truly, our fellowship, koinonia is the Greek word, and it means an intimate relationship between two people. And you can see it, can't you? When Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, which was so sickening to him he said you make me sick to my stomach and want to throw up right religion wrong relationship rich and increased with goods i have need of nothing he said you're poor miserable blind and naked you don't have a right relationship with god say relationship with god that's what righteousness is it's not just doing the right thing it's being in a right relationship with him hallelujah That's why it's all about knowing Him and Him acknowledging you. What did Jesus say to the the church at Ephesus? What did He say to the church of Laodicea? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And here's fellowship. And sup with Him. And Him with me. I told you about the guy. He was a player. You know what a player is? He's just this guy playing the field. You know, it can be real negative or it can just be a single guy, you know, playing the field. And he knew how to to show a lady a good time. 
He knew the fancy restaurants where you had to wear the coat and the tie and you had to make a reservation. You couldn't just walk in off the street. But they're costly. And it was my wife and I's anniversary, and you know what he gave us? Because he wanted us to, you know, have that kind of romantic setting for a gift for our anniversary. He gave us a gift certificate, and all we had to do is call and make the reservation. And it was quite a lot of money. And, you know, we were, we were trying to get by. As when you leave Tampa Electric and that check don't come in uh, and you're dependent on whether people feel like giving or not. Because when you're practicing the right religion, you don't have a right relationship. Uh, you just kind of do what you feel like just to keep God off your back. Amen. So... We looked at that and we thought about going. He said, when you go to this restaurant, he described it to me. He said, the table that you reserve, no one has sat in it because they only open the doors at 4 until 10. The table you're going to sit at, nobody sat in before you and nobody's going to sit in it after you. That, that, that's not Mickey D's. Can you say <laughs> Might be a good idea to wipe down the table <laughs> that you're going to sit at. There have been about 150 people there before you got there. Amen. You're going to sit at a table for two. Just you and your wife. And the waiter that waits on you is not going to wait on anybody else. And you know you've got to give him some kind of tip. Can you say that? Come on, get, work with me today. I mean, this is not what we... Terry, did you ever do that for Dale? No. <laughs> Was it because? Not yet. <laughs> he said, probably next anniversary is going to happen. You're ruining it for me, preacher. No, he's really romantic. He cleans them, so she cooks them. It's just a romance thing they got. Anyway, you're going to sit at that table. No one's going to sit in it but you that night. The waiter that waits on you is just going to wait on you. And he said, I've included the tip. So we had it all set up and we were thinking about And we thought about how, two things, how uncomfortable we probably would feel in that restaurant. Because when you give me three forks, it confuses me. <laughs> I went to the, <laughs> what do you want me to do with the other two? Well, listen for the salad and listen for the pork chop. Well, wait, listen, I can eat the pork chop and salad with the same fork. Thank you. And, they, and you can, you can, you can fire the dishwasher. Uh, you, you know, one of them. You won't need to. I went to the Capitol Hilton Hotel, invited as a pastor to represent the state of Florida, one from every state. And I sit down to a meal uh, provided as part of all of this at the Capitol Hilton where senators and they, they even had the, the carpet with the presidential seals on the carpet all over the place. And I went into the Capitol Hilton and I sat down and they had the, you know, the five-course meal when they begin with salad and then soup and fish and then the main course. And, and I sat down and I saw this, this array of silver and I knew, I, I knew that, you, you know, I'm not that backwoods that I didn't understand that, that there are certain implements for certain parts of the meal. 
But I just kind of looked around, and I watched some, some people that were in better suits than I was wearing. Amen. <laughs> and and I, I expected them to show me what to do, which one to pick up and start with when they brought the soup. And I figured this is a little round one right, you know, but I didn't drink out of the finger bowl. You've got to give me credit. Can you say amen? you got to, honestly, I didn't. <laughs> ain't my pastor. I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> he must be from that other church across town. And I looked, and you know what they were doing? Even though they had on a better suit, they were looking at me. And I thought, we all in a pickle here. I guess, I think all the, all the people from the South sitting at the same table. I guess they're Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia. <laughs> Don't hand me all this silverware. You're confusing me. Amen. <laughs> but I finally, finally, we, we all together kind of said, well, we're going to start right here, and we're all going to do it. So if one's wrong, we're all wrong. Nobody's going to be embarrassed at this table. And besides that, I'm hungry. <laughs> Amen. So, so let's scrape that watercress out of the way and let me, <laughs> let me add some real food here. Amen. Praise God. Right religion, wrong relationship. Listen, listen to me. I don't know where I was going with that, but I know I was going somewhere with it. You can have the right religion and have a wrong relationship with God. Israel had a right religion, but they had a wrong relationship with God. Jesus came to change that relationship part of the equation. Amen. He said the just has suffered for the unjust so that we could have the right religion and just be saved. No. The just has suffered for the unjust that he might bring us to God. How many has ever heard the scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength? How many initially thought because you're Pentecostal perspective people, and I love the touch of God. Just one touch from the king changes everything. Can you say, man? That's all it takes. One touch from the king changes everything. We used to sing, He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something really happened. And now I know He touched me and made me whole. Can you say, man, He touched me? How many know when He touches you, you'll know it? Say, what are you talking about, Brother Venable? Well, the old timer said it's better felt than telt. You have to experience that touch of God, but if you ever experience it, you know there's more to God than just practicing the right religion. You can have a real relationship with Him. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. I thought it was that Holy Ghost anointed touch on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. I love that touch. When I did the funeral for your mama, Bob told me, he said, I was skeptical of all of this Pentecostal stuff. And he said to me, he said, but at your church, Pastor Venable, he said, I saw a man walk out there, talking about me, said a man walk out there and said he looked intelligent. He was wearing a nice suit that fit him perfectly. 
He spoke as if he had some degree of education. And And I thought, and I prayed. I said, Lord, if this is real, have Brother Venable run around this church tonight. See, he'd seen other people do it, but he hadn't seen me do it. He said, I began to preach, and all of a sudden, I don't do this with good microphones anymore. I think that's what ruined our other ones. I'm not going to drop it. Don't have to turn it off. This is a good microphone. He said he dropped the microphone right in the middle of preaching and tore off and run all the way around the church. But to him, it was a sign that there's more to God than the right religion. Because somebody must have touched him. (laughs) Something occurred that he didn't pre-plan. Something happened in that congregation. And that's why cancer was healed. And that's why demons were cast out. And that's why people got saved that were one step away from committing suicide. It's because the anointing of God fell in that place. And we didn't look normal and we didn't act normal because there was nothing normal about what was going on. Hallelujah. Amen. The Holy Spirit was free to move in us and through us and to us. And it wasn't emotionalism. It was beyond emotionalism. Right religion doesn't allow for that kind of relationship, any kind of relationship. And right religion without relationship gets mean because it's void of the love of God. I was talking to my son yesterday and A lady who came out of a church that believed if you could get saved all you want, receive Christ all you want, but if you are not baptized in water before you die, you are lost and damned forever. So her husband got deathly ill. He had not pursued baptism yet. And I believe that we need to be baptized in water after receiving Christ as our Savior. It is the teaching of Jesus. It's part of our confession because it's done publicly. And if you confess me before men, it's the beginning of that life of confessing Christ. We are buried with Him when we're raised with Him to walk in the newness of life. Jesus commanded it, and we should obey that. But the thief on the cross couldn't obey that. And the right religion wouldn't allow for his salvation. But the love of God did. Because Jesus said to the man that couldn't come down and go through the right religion and do the right thing. But you can be forgiven here today. Because the prize is being paid for it in blood, not in baptism. Oh, thank God for Jesus. Because there are so many religions that won't make any allowance for grace and mercy to operate. It's as if God is looking for a technicality to keep you out of heaven instead of declaring a way has been made to get you to heaven. Can you say amen? He said, Lord, what the the thief on the other side said, if you're the son of God, save us. And yourself come down from that cross and get us off of this cross. Someone said that he was concerned about his skin, saving his skin. But the man on the other side was concerned about his sin.
Why were they crucifying thieves? Because thieves generally killed who they robbed because there was no forensics then. They couldn't get fingerprints. Uh, They couldn't get DNA. They had to have an eyewitness point their finger. And that's why when the man fell among thieves, they left him for dead because they thought they had killed him. But the good Samaritan picked him up. By the way, there's the right religion, wrong relationship. It took someone that wasn't part of the highest religious system, right religion of the day. They wouldn't touch him. They misrepresented the love of God. That's why they didn't know Jesus. He rebuked the right religion without a relationship. And it exists today. And it holds back a true revival today. There are people in churches right now. And they espouse their denomination. And they put their denomination up against whatever you are. As higher and better. Right religion. Filled with pride. Self-righteousness. God resists the proud. No wonder there can't be revival. Oh, there can be a series of meetings. We've reduced revival to a series of meetings with a powerful speaker. We think that's revival. We actually think if someone comes and preaches for five days straight powerfully that we've had a revival. Revival is breathing life into a body that threatens to become a corpse. It's Holy Ghost CPR. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's when God comes down. And God stirs our souls. And God wakes us up. Hallelujah. To to seek Him like we used to seek Him. Someone said prayer is the key. Yes, it is secondary. Seeking God is what promotes that prayer relationship. I come to... The garden alone, my dad's anthem, his song that he loved more than any other song. While the dew still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry what did they do what were they doing in the upper room what did he tell them to do in order to qualify and wait for what did he tell them to do go and tarry go and tarry they were seeking God's presence with all of their heart and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and a few highly sensitive spiritual people were filled with the God and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost can you say man oh yes that's not for me no that's not for me you couldn't have been in the upper room on that day because it was for everybody amen you and your children and as many as the Lord our God shall call just like salvation hallelujah tarry until you be endued with power from on high tarry and 
plead for power? No. Tarry and seek the Lord. The Bible said to seek the Lord until He come and rain righteousness upon you. Rain righteousness upon you. Glory to God. I've got a rain stick somewhere. I don't know where it went. Anyway, I might have chased a dog off with it. Anyway, praise God. Hallelujah. But let it, let it rain righteousness upon us. He'll pour out the former and the latter rain. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right religion, Ephesus, Revelation. The book of Revelation and to the church of, Evel- of Ephesus write, I know thy works. And he commends them and commends them and commends them and commends them for the right religion. But he says, I've got somewhat against you. I've got somewhat against you. And they waited astonished that people practicing the right religion needed anything. And he said, you've left your first love. It began with not just the right religion, but a real relationship with God. For truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Truly, our fellowship. And in that fellowship relationship, love is born and love is continued to grow. We're supposed to be falling in love with Him more and more and more, not less and less and less, and substituting the right religion for a true relationship with God. Amen? And there are people who think they're going to heaven because of the right religion that haven't met Jesus. How do you know? Because I went to the hospital to pray for Dad Reedy. They had already called Germany. To get his son a special leave to come in from the service because his daddy's died. I I asked Dad Reedy, who was in a church, practicing the right religion, going to church, hearing the Bible taught, had walked forward and shook the preacher's hand. And I said, Pop, I'm going to pray for you to be healed. But, and this surgery to be successful... But the more important prayer is, do you know Christ as your Savior? If you didn't come through this, do you know where you would go? And he looked me in the eye because he was facing the reality of those things. And a right religion can't give you what a right relationship can. The peace don't come through the right. And he looked at me and he said, no, sir. He said, no, sir. And he was cold to me before that. His wife came to church, to our church, and he went to the other one. You know, where there wasn't so many crazy people like us. But I asked him that important question. And he said, no, sir. I don't know where I would go. I said, do you want to know? He said, I do. And we prayed the sinner's prayer, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. And he met the Master. And man, did Pop Reedy change. He changed. He come to church. He, he said, you're like my spiritual son. 
And I said, well, I'm glad because you're like my spiritual daddy. We got a wonderful relationship here. Hallelujah. Praise God. He worked He worked with another man putting in a mailbox out in the heat. See, when you love God, it's not a job. It's a joy to serve Him. Praise God. When you fall out of love with God, I tell you, you fall out of love with your wife. She's going to get on your nerves. Can you say amen? Yeah, because you, you love covers a multitude of faults. Amen. You fall out of love, you're going to see that multitude. Because they've always been there. Amen. They didn't just show up when you discovered, whoa, look at that. Boy, there's one mean woman right here. Can you say amen? No, when you were in love with her, it's like, oh, she's a... Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know she throws a hissy fit every now and then. But, you know, it just... But, but I know her heart, and she's sweet, and, and, you know, it don't last long. Amen. I get out of the doghouse, and everything's okay. Sin is not holding back revival. Where sin doth abound, his grace supersedes and abounds even more. So what's holding it back in one of the churchiest nations in the world? Right religion with wrong relationship. Or right religion without any relationship. People who have went through the right religious things and never met the master. You can't fall, fall in love with your religious system. You can only fall in love with God. You can only fall in love with Jesus. You can only fall in love at a table for two. He said, if you let me in your heart, koinonia is going to occur. If you let me into your life and into your heart and you open the door, I'm going to come in and sup with you. And you're going to sup with me. Can I finish my table for two story before we quit this morning? Are you wondering what kind of romantic evening we had in that place just for us to stare and look into each other's eyes? We needed tires, and it was a gift certificate. We canceled the reservation and bought some tires. Probably went to the Western Sizzler where you can get a steak for six ninety five back then. <laughs> Sitting there, a bunch of people eating them steaks. and said, boy, we didn't go to the romantic restaurant, but, man, we got some tires on our car. We got rid of them Maypops. Thank you, Jesus. That guy thought he was setting us up for a romantic evening. God is providing us tires. Can you? <laughs> we had to make our own romance. Me and Terry know how to do that, don't we, Terry? <laughs> Amen. Glory be to God. Me and Brother Taylor know how to do that, too. Come on. Amen. I'd give somebody else a fist bump, but they, oh, here he is behind the camera. Come on. You know how to do that. He knows how to do that, don't he? Oh, yeah. He's going to get a sidecar for that motorcycle. God is good today. And we made up for that in many other ways. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-romance. But, you know, tires is tires. 
And when we, that was the need. That was the need, and God met the need, and we thanked Him for it, praise God, because I wasn't dating her at the time. I just wanted to know how precious she was to me as my wife, praise God. So the tires was important. It had been awful to get way down at that restaurant down in St. Peter somewhere, eat that big meal, and have that wonderful time, and come out and have two flats, and can't get home. Kind of put a damper on the whole romantic evening. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. We come from nowhere. We come from nothing. Amen. And God decided to call me to preach His glorious gospel. Hallelujah. I thought, Lord, why me? And he says, why not? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He's chosen the weak things. He's chosen the poor things. He's chosen the things that are obscure, the nothing things. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that, so that he gets the glory. He gets the glory. He gets the glory when the good comes from it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he's still getting the glory. Amen. I'm still not good at it or good enough for it. But there is an anointing. There is an appointing of the Lord. Amen. And I claim that. I have confidence in that anointing. If I walk behind, amen, a pulpit, I know through the years I have shook and, and, and said, Oh, Lord, I don't have a message. Lord, I don't have the message. Oh, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to explain it. Or after I got done, I cricked myself and said, oh Lord, I could have said it much clearer. I could have said it much better. I wish I could rewind and say it all again. I don't do that anymore. Amen. What I lack, the Holy Ghost is going to, He's going to take care of. Something's going to come through. Amen. Hallelujah. Without me having to be a theologian, without me having to be some kind of great, uh, uh, you know, Bible scholar from way back somewhere. Something. Listen, there's an anointing on His word it is quick and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword glory be to god preach the word be instant in season out of season religion right religion without relationship i commend all that's right in the true religion you're doing so well but i have somewhat against you they're astonished so they're listening with bated breath, they want to hear what he has to say. And he says, you've left your first love. When you first came to me, there was a relationship with me. We supped together. You sought fellowship with me. Amen. You didn't just practice diligently and dutifully your religion. You served me because you loved me. And everything you did, by the way, at the judgment seat of Christ... Every right thing that we've done to practice the right religion that's not done out of real, legitimate love for Jesus, we will not be rewarded for. It's going to be tested with fire. And everything that was done with the wrong motive. See, right religion says, you know, he, he even says when you give, don't sound a trumpet so everybody sees how much you're giving. I, I can't. I can't. I can't get the trumpet to blow. I shouldn't even try. Don't sound the trumpet before you give, saying, Look here. Look here. When you fast, 
anoint your face. Don't tell a soul. So you're right religion. He called us to fast. But don't do it for the wrong reason. Don't do it for vainglory and to exalt yourself and say, look how dedicated I am. He said, if you do it and tell somebody you did it so they will hold you in high esteem, that's your reward. I'm not going to give you anything because of the fast. Even before the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment's beginning. So it's not just our activity, it's our attitude. Our attitude. Our attitude. People are being stimulated to give to get right now. Right now, whole television networks are sponsoring people that are stimulating giving just so you can get, not because you love. And God's not obligated to give you nothing. No matter how much you pour into somebody's ministry. Because if a man loved me, he'll do these things. And it won't be grievous. The motive will be right. The relationship will be intact. And I'll bless him going out. And I'll bless him coming in. I'll bless him when he sits down. And I'll bless him when he rises up. I'll bless him in the city. And I'll bless him in the field. (laughs) These blessings will come on him. And they will overtake him. If you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness... All these things that your father knows you need, they'll be added as a bonus. But more importantly, you will have a right relationship with him. Amen. There'll be no revival where everybody's trying to get a Mercedes. There'll never be a revival. There will be a huge church and a lot of... Big classy cars in the parking lot. But if you need healing and you need deliverance and, and you need a gospel that can transform your life and save your undying soul, you won't hear it in there. Some of the biggest churches in America are built on that premise. Look at my house. God wants you to have one just like mine. One minister on television who's struggling to stay on television because of funds, because there's so many, the cost is so high, had a pile, pile this high of prayer request, people desperately needing God's help. This high on a table just stacked, a mound of letters. He started to pray over the letters for miracles to occur of provision. He stopped. He said, I can't pray a prayer over all of this for everyone. In other words, here's how he put it. If you didn't give and sow a seed to this ministry, I can't pray for your healing. If you didn't sow a seed of money, it has to be money. Can't be faith toward God. Come on, this is on television. You know, and, and people keep pouring it out. We're that far from God that we can't tell the difference. We can't discern. We've never grown up. We got a Bible that we allow other people to interpret because it's telling us they're telling us what we want to hear it say instead of what it truly says. I thought you won't pray. For what he bled to give away. And 
unless there's a check in the envelope with the request. There's a scripture that says we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers. You get what you pay for. You don't pay, you don't get. Amen. You've got to have silver and gold to receive. But we were redeemed with something beyond the material world and beyond the riches of this fallen world and this world that's going to pass away. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. It's with His stripes, not with your seed of money. Come on. Freely you've received. Freely you've received. Freely. Oh, we've got to pay the bills. And if we can't pay the bills, I'll have to be somewhere else where we can minister to people that think the ministry is worth supporting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about answered prayer. Everything that Jesus provided through his blood at the cross isn't for sale at any price. Can you say, man, it is priceless. It is too precious to put a price on. Just one drop of Jesus' blood is so precious. You couldn't buy it if you were a multi-billionaire. Can you say? Amen. But it is a free gift from God out of love to us. And how dare us begin to put a price tag on it and begin to sell healing and sell miracles and call it an act of faith when really we're putting a price on what should be given. Oh, friend of mine, how gullible the church in America. And I'm talking about the one that called herself spiritual, the one that compared herself to others and said they don't have what we have that's the ones that bought into this I was at a pastor's meeting some years ago one pastor had a building fund going on and we were sitting at a table together and the one told the other one if you need funds to finish your building project get in to orphans You know what that meant? Go somewhere where there's people about half starved or starving. Pass out some food and take some pictures of your organization or your denomination or your personal ministry passing out some food to these poor starving people. Come back and show the slides and ask people to give. Stimulate them by seeing the need. But as the administrator of the organization that's helping, give a portion, but keep that other portion, and you have to have administrators, don't get me wrong, and they need to be salaried, and preachers do too, or they couldn't do it, they'd be out there. You know what I'm saying? But a missionary that was part of our Fellowship of Independent Ministries came here from Africa to our church to preach. She said, you know what? And I'm not going to tell you the name because you've been hurt enough. And I don't want to hurt you anymore with confidence. But I want you to be understanding we're in a day of deception. We're in a day of deception. And you can't look at the personality of that preacher. You've got to look deeper than that. The persuasiveness, the personality. You've got to get in your Bible, church. And you've got to demand that someone be following Jesus. 
Amen. I, I require that you have more than a degree in theology. I require that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. That you're committed to love and serve him. And that there's something in you that shows me something of him. In spite of your weak flesh, in spite of our faults and failures, that there's something of Him, something that says you're more than just a preacher for Him. You're a representation of Him. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. And he wanted Christ to be formed in them. Not to just get them out of hell and into heaven, but Christ be formed in them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if the standard is practicing the right religion, we can all meet it. Just go to church and give. And try to live right. But if Christ, being like Jesus, is the standard, we got a ways to go. we got a challenge before us. And we need a change within us. And as we behold... As in a glass, literally, in the Word of God, reflected to us like a mirror, His face. We are transformed into His image. (laughs) Even from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher is set in the church till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the fullness And be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But grow up into him who is the head to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. God said, I will keep moving you forward until you become more like him. And I will never be satisfied until you are just like him. So the whole Christian life is a journey to Christ-likeness. And that involves a real right relationship with God. Because this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Can you say, man, that's what he said about Jesus. And he wants to be well pleased with us. Not because we're sinlessly perfect, but we're perfectly committed to his program and his agenda. You've left your first love. Right religion. Losing relationship with God. Incredible that you can have the right religion and lose the relation. You've been in churches that were the, t- teaching the right thing. Doctrinally pure. Committed to their standard. And yet, you didn't sense the presence of God. You, I'm not talking about the goose pimple and liver shiver. I'm just talking about the holy, peaceful, powerful presence of God. Because they're not pursuing that. Because they got the right religion. I don't ever want to preach in that church. You know why I don't want to? Because they're so satisfied with the right religion, they're not seeking a deeper relationship. And if Jesus can't get in, if he has stand door and knock, and they won't let him in, I ain't got no business going there. What good am I going to do? If the church don't welcome, oh, by the way, it wasn't Jesus the helper that they didn't let in. He comes and said, I'm going to come and help you with everything you need. Come on in. I'm going to come and heal you of everything that you're sick with. Come on in. I want to come and bless you with silver and gold. All the riches of the world. I'm going to lay at your feet. Come on in. Don't just stand there. 
But what was his message? What was his message? It was the message that kept the messenger out. It was the message that locked him out. What was the message down at Laodicea? I know your works. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want a relationship with you. But you don't want a relationship with me. You're materialistic, humanistic, hedonistic. You say I'm rich and increased with goods. And I say you're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. But you're not hopeless. Buy me gold tried in the fire that you might be truly rich. And white raiment that you might be really clothed. Forget about Armani. You need to get right with God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Come on church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Gold tried in the fire. Praise God. Somebody that's authentic. Gold tried in the fire means all the impurities have been burned out. And it is not phony stuff. It's the real deal. 24 karat pure. It ain't gold over sterling silver. It's not going to turn green after three weeks in the dishwater. Amen. And anoint thine eyes with thy salve so that you can see not what's wrong with everybody else, but what's wrong with you. Many as I love, I rebuke. Oh, come on in, Jesus. We need some good old-fashioned rebuking. Come on in and rebuke us today. We won't want to hear about how to get a Mercedes. We've heard that until we're sick of it. Oh, we're driving a Mercedes, still ain't got no peace and no power. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Rebuke what's wrong in us so we can be truly. Come on, bring us that message. Come on in, Jesus. No. No, you can knock all you want. I hear you knocking. Come on, they had to hear him knocking. Oh, by the way, he don't just knock, he hollers. He hollers. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door. I'm going to submit to you something. This is not my word. My voice may be quoting it, but it's not my word. This is His word. Can you say amen? This is His word. And I don't know about you, but I don't care what they got going on at any church anywhere. Amen. If they're not bringing His word, I'm not hearing His voice. I'm just hearing that guy or that gal's voice. I didn't come to hear their voice. I came to hear His voice. Amen. Let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. Can you say amen? He speaks through the primary organ that He always speaks through. His holy word. Can you say amen? How thy words were found. I did eat them. Yum, yum. Somebody say yum, yum. Thy words were found and I did eat them yum yum it might have rebuked something wrong in me but I'm still yum yumming on the word because I know getting right with God is more important than giving in to the devil can you say man hallelujah yum yum thy words were found I did eat them and they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart can you say man you can't have real joy till you get right with God embrace his word let it clean you up 
I the only one that's got a yum-yum for God's Word this morning? Hallelujah. As many as I love, I pet, coddle. I rebuke what's wrong. I chasten. Be zealous. Therefore, here's the message. And repent. Repentance to people practicing the right religion. They don't want to hear it. Because instead of being truly right with God, they're into self-righteousness. And God is resisting until there's brokenness and humility and repentance. I said something the other day. I, I alienate my... I see why I'm the lonely man at the top of the hill. Preacher preached years ago. The lonely man on the top of the hill. And he used it to represent ministry. He used Moses standing by himself initially standing in the gap up there and he attributed it to ministry and I affiliate with preachers but when I get like I am right now and I don't believe any program will take the place of revival I don't believe that any number count is going to satisfy God's desire for followers of Jesus and he said go make disciples unto me amen not just people that get in your denomination. Make the disciples unto me. Unto me. Unto me. Unto me. Can you say man? Not just numbers so you can meet your budget, but disciples unto me. And if any man want to be my disciple, there's a prerequisite. It doesn't start out with self-exaltation or self-actualization. It starts out with self-sacrifice. Let him deny himself. So you can't, you can't follow Jesus if you're in it for the money or the mansion. He may give you money or a mansion when he finds out that he's more important. But why would he give you something to take away from the primary thing he's called you to? Let him take up his cross. That means crucify your flesh. See, people think taking up the cross is the fact that somebody on your job persecuted you because you said you were a Christian. Poor old me. Booty who? Can you say, man, I've, I've been persecuted. Booty who? Booty who? Booty who? That's still your flesh. Saying, poor me, I'm a Christian, and the world don't love me. Well, the world's not going to love you because it didn't love him, darling. Newsflash. If they persecuted him, you're not above your master, he said. Amen. Don't expect them to embrace you if you decide to follow him. Brother Venable, I'm going to have to give up my flaky friends if I follow Jesus. No, you don't have to give them up. You follow Jesus, and they'll give you up. And it'll be worth it. And you're not some kind of poor old person. Oh, I wanted the world to love me. Why do you want the world to love you? Hey, man, it didn't love him. And it's not in love with him now. Be done with it. Make a clean break with it. Oh, you're one of those Christians. You got it. Deal with it. 
Because I'm not going to change. I wouldn't give up Jesus for your friendship. I love you. I want to be your friend. Amen. And I won't give up Jesus for you. I love my wife. I'd lay down my life today without hesitation to protect her. I'd wrestle you to protect her. Brother Taylor, not you. <laughs> or you. <laughs> no, I would. I'd wrestle, I'd wrestle King Kong. Defending my wife, King Kong, ain't got nothing on me. But I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't give up Jesus for Pamela. It's a different kind of love. So here's what run people off. When he called to relationship and said religion in and of itself can bring you into that relationship, but it will not supplant, it will not take the place of that relationship even though it's right. So he's got all these people, fish and low people, people that need healing, people that need water to turn to wine. There's a big crowd wanting the stuff. And he cares about your life, and he will meet your need. But you've got a greater need, and he's calling us to it. He looked out at that crowd, and he said, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood you have no part none nothing in your right religion can take place of a right relationship with me of partaking of me spiritually and you know what they did what people are doing today when he demanded a spiritual communion, a spiritual fellowship relationship to be right with him. They walked away in droves. If you want to book on church building, don't ever preach what Jesus did. They left him. And his disciples wanted to follow him. They wanted to follow them. Because they were so caught up. All they knew was the right religion. They didn't know anything about a relationship. And he looked them in the eye. And he saw that wavering. That vacillating in them. And he said, will you leave me too? And they said, where can we go? Well, see that today, there's plenty of places for you to go. That claim to give you everything that you need. Come on, and they'll fill the building. You can sit in a church and never be convicted of your sin through the whole service. You can come in with sin and go out with sin and never be bothered by the preaching or the singing. You can get sentimental when they talk about Jesus hanging on the cross, but you won't get saved. Salvation is not getting sentimental at church and shedding a tear. Salvation is being convicted of your sin and saying, Jesus, I don't want this sin. Forgive me. I want salvation. I want to be saved. I want a new master and a new life. So this is what we're up against in the church world. Remember the church, Pentecostal used to have this. We fall into that category. Thou hast a name that liveth 
what you present yourself as, the name. You have a name that represents true life in God and life in Christ. Thou hast a name that lives, but thou art dead. Revival is for the dead. It's bringing that body that threatens to die back to life. And we need revival in the church of Jesus Christ today. I talked to an evangelist as we close. Would you stand your feet so you know we're really closing? Used to preach Holy Ghost revivals under the anointing. Brother R.E. Spain preached all over the South and Central United States. Preached with me in Jamaica, I mean in Haiti. He said, Brother Venable, I was in my office. He said, I, I called you because I, I had a cassette tape. You can tell how dated we are, how far we go back. From 1992. And he said, I thought, well, while I'm here in my devotional time by myself, I'm going to put this tape in from Brother Venable's church where I visited, ministered. It's one of his sermons from 1992. And he said, Brother Venable, you began to speak, you announced the subject. You read the scriptures pertaining to the subject, began to preach, and you stopped. and said, I can't continue this message. This is not the message for here at this moment in time. And you took off in a whole other direction. And he said, and when you did, you explained the word church, ecclesia. It doesn't mean a denomination practicing the right religion. The ecclesia, the Greek word for church, is the called out ones. Can you say amen? And he said, your message was, it is time. And I've been preaching it ever since. It is time for the called out to come out. Can you say amen? Come out from among them. That means the status quo. Amen. Certainly the world, but even the status quo in the church. Come out from among them. And be ye what? Separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Amen. And I will receive you. And I will be your God. And you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? What fellowship hath Christ with the devil? Belial, the devil... Amen. You can't serve two masters. Come out. You're called out. So it's time to come out. And if you follow Jesus now, you won't have to just go against the world to do it. You'll have to go against many in the church world. Amen. They will label you as fanatic. They will label you with all kinds of labels just because you have committed to do what Jesus called us to do. And that's take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Him. And become his disciple. Praise God. We need a revival more than we need a fellowship hall. We need a revival more than we need a family life center. I.e. a basketball court indoors. We need a revival more than we need a young people's meeting. We need a revival among our kids. Or or the world is going to pull them. Mark it down. Without a revival. Without a revival. Without a revival. 
come on, I've lived through it. I've seen families live through it. I'm 70 going on 71. I've watched this thing work without a revival. Without a revival. It doesn't matter what kind of programs get them in their youth group at that church. Without a revival, I'm telling you the world is stronger. The devil is, is, is more deceptive. Without a revival with young people like they are down in Haiti and Jamaica that are raising their hands. Ten-year-olds with tears streaming saying, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Praising Jesus with love in their heart at ten years old. There was no puppet show. There was no video games to play. There was no youth band with... Boys that looked so contemporary and the experiment with reducing the gospel to reflect the culture to get people in church has failed miserably in America. And a 31-year-old journalist said, I came up through this said our whole basement was filled with video game machines. He said out back of our church we had a skateboard park. This is a journalist. Journalist, not for a Christian magazine. When I was bivocational, they came to me, young men, working at the job where I worked. They said, you ought to go to the church where I go to. They said, they got Christian rap. I don't have any problem with Christian anything if it's Christian. They said, they got a skateboard park. We bring our skateboards. We have the biggest time. We all go for pizza. Churches are compromising now. My son went to buy insurance. The insurance man, the agent. My son is an alcoholic. He can't be around alcohol. If he gets around alcohol, it's going to pull him back in deeper into that, that destroying his liver and his life. Listen to me. What did the guy say? You should come to church with me. Went to a big church in Lakeland. Said, we have a men's fellowship. Said, we go to a particular pizza place on a particular night. And said, we all get us a pitcher of beer and have great fellowship together. Come on, this is the church of today. This is what's happening today. Come on, the steeple is high. The stained glass looks so beautiful. The preacher is coistered in his robe. This is the church of today. The choir is singing the songs of Zion. But this is what the church has been reduced to. Without repentance, because we're practicing the right religion, we're not interested in a real relationship with God. And my son was aghast. He said, Dad, Dad, how could that be? I said, Son, things have changed since you grew up in church. But God has not. Can you say, man? He doesn't apologize for the standard that he set. And we don't have to change it to accommodate this culture. If if you've been involved with alcohol or drugs, you know God has called you out of that culture. And you can't play 
play play with it. There may be somebody don't get caught by it, but somebody's going to get caught by it. And just for the sake of not causing your brother to stumble, can you say, man, hallelujah, we could drink a glass of tea and have a Bible study. Have a cup of coffee and have a Bible study. And we don't have to cause a brother to fall and we don't have to misrepresent, amen, the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Yes, we could make that big sacrifice for Jesus. Shouldn't we? You can see what it's done here. I told Brother Spain, I'm still calling for the called out to come out. He said, well, I don't do much preaching. I just do some teaching now. But he was inspired. But he had to go back to 1992. When people were hungry, when people ran to God, when people didn't ask, what can I get by with, but what does he want me to do to please him? Hallelujah. Teach me. Tell me. Glory be to God. When the hippies in the coffee house come down and got saved and we baptized them in water. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. When a woman that was so into drugs, she lived with a dealer. She had more drugs than she could handle. When he got arrested, she went through the withdrawal and she got sick in her body with cancer. So she had cancer in her body. Her boyfriend in jail, her children had been taken, amen, by the authorities because she was an addict and she was so messed up. And she told her sister who attended our church, I'm going to kill myself. I can't go on another day like this. I can't do whatever's necessary to get the drugs. I can't live without them. I'm dying of cancer anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and check out. She said, well, come to church with me Sunday. Promise me before you do anything, you will attend a service with me. It was a Sunday morning when God showed up. Come on, when people had the real joy of the Lord, when people had a real relationship with God, where God was pleased and God moved. Amen. Hallelujah. At the end of the service, amen, a a woman that we call stick woman because of the drugs. She's tall, lost so much weight. She looked like one of them stick people. Amen. Just skinny in bone. She came down forward, received Jesus as her Savior. Oh yes, she got saved. Oh yes, there was a change that came. If any man be in Christ, he's got the right religion. No, if any man be in Christ, he's got a right relationship. Hallelujah. He's a new creation. Old things that held him in bondage are passed away and everything has become brand new. By the way, she didn't want no suicide no more. She found hope and peace and power in Jesus. <laughs> Amen. A week later, she came down prayer for her body. Amen. We laid hands on her. Didn't even know what the problem was. But she came up from downstairs where the bathrooms were in the basement. And she said, I passed the cancer down at the bathroom in the basement. <laughs> The woman is alive and well today. The woman is cancer-free today. The woman is saved today. Amen. The woman 
got her children back. See, repentance and getting truly right brings restoration. She got her kids back. She went to work as a, in, a, in a medical office as a receptionist. They give her kids back because they saw the change. The Tampa Tribune went out and did an article on her coming from the guttermost to the uttermost. And she was mad as an old wet hen because she took an hour to tell them what Jesus had done for her. And they edited out everything about God. And they presented a woman who turned her life around. And it was God who did it, and she knew it, and she told them so. But we're in a culture that don't want to give, don't want to acknowledge that God is, let alone give Him credit for what He's doing. Listen to me. But God did it. God did it. God did it. And, oh, friend of mine, listen, that's what I was exposed to. That's what I have seen with my own eyes. And if there's nothing that the church is doing today can take the place of what the Spirit of God can do. Amen. Nothing. 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 No activity. No program. It almost sickens me when I'm around people talking about programs. Social programs without a spiritual revival. The devil loves our social programs. And we need to do things to help people, but we need a revival worse than any of that other. We need a revival. So my son says, Dad, how can it be? I preached a funeral. He knew a family member that sung Amazing Grace for a family member out of a denomination that considers themselves to be in one of the premier holy denominations, Pentecostal holy. The woman that sang Amazing Grace was living in some terrible, terrible sin, unconvicted, but attending the services, affiliating, identifying with that holy denomination. My son knew the background, the backstory, because he was in that circle where all that sin was occurring. And he's, after the funeral, he said, Dad, how could that person stand up there and sing Amazing Grace and live in sin unrepentant with no conviction and no concern? I said, Son, things have changed in the church in America. Come on. Come and you give me an amen this morning. Things have changed in the church in America. I'm glad my son saw the genuine. I'm glad my son saw the authentic. I'm glad my son saw the real. I'm glad that he came up. He didn't come to Christ during that time, but he saw the true salvation. He saw the real move of God. He saw real healings and miracles. He knows the power and presence of God. And he knows compromise very well, even though he's part of it. But he does not represent himself to be anything but what he is. And I commend him. There's hope for him. Because of that honesty. Can you say, man, there's hope for him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Would you stretch your hand this way? 
I am committed to this. Wherever we land in the future, I will not bend the gospel to fit the culture. I love you. I'd love, to, I'd love your friendship. I'd love your fellowship. But I won't change the gospel to get you to come here. I will not take from. I will not add to. Hallelujah. Church don't know it, but they need this message. It's not just me. There need to be others raised up. And there are. They're hard to find because they're not on television. They're hard to find because they're not writing the best-selling books. Can you say man? Hallelujah. They're hard to find because they're not famous evangelists today. They're standing with Jesus knocking at the door. Hallelujah. 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 Malachi, the last of the old covenant prophets. Malachi. 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 Amen. Before we jump to the new covenant. Amen. He says before that great, terrible day of the Lord. I'm going to send someone in the spirit and power of Elijah. Amen. And the message is not going to be soothing, darling, but it's going to be powerful and potent. Amen. It's going to turn the hearts of the fathers. Today I'm seeing the children leave the faith of their fathers and go the way of the world. Most Christian people raised in a Christian home without a revival in that church, when they get in college, they question their faith. They question their their faith in God. Most of them leave their faith and prayerfully one day they will come full circle and come back to it. But most of them leave their faith. Because they only follow Jesus because their parents pushed them that way and their parents should. But they never met the Master and fell in love with Him. And this culture is stronger than it's ever been through the media to captivate and capture young hearts and young minds. Parents choose churches for their programs. Singles looking for a church to hook up. And I mean hook up in the negative way. They called me to a, an Assembly of God church years ago, a big one, to preach to their singles because of all the promiscuity among them. It was a Christian singles meeting. And the head of it called me to come in and do the dirty work. And why in the world did they call Pastor Venable? Because they knew what I'm going to say when I get there. Can you say man? So if you're looking for a license to sin, you can't come here to get it. Can you say man? If you're looking for someone to say it's God's going to just look over that because he understands you're just a poor weak soul. You're just like a dog. You're no different than a dog. He has no moral code. He just goes with what, what he feels. People that are womanizers today, they call them my dog. And celebrate it. Celebrate it. What a young man does. Doesn't matter if he plays piano in church or leads a choir or teaches a Sunday school class. 
It's just it's what you do. You go with the flow. You go with the tendencies of your flesh because you've never crucified it because He's not worth the sacrifice in order to follow. Without revival, the hearts of the children and the fathers are going to come in conflict. And your enemies will be they of your own household. Daughters, if that revival doesn't occur, will stand up against their mama and say, I'm not going to do what you tell me just because it's in the Bible and you says God said it's right. And sons are going to stand up to their daddies and do the same thing. The separation is going to come. But before the tribulation hits, the falling away occurs. And a message to come out and come back is going to be brought. And it's the message of the Spirit for those living in that time. We're in that time that just precedes the great tribulation. And the message is going to be in the spirit and power of Elijah. I will send Elijah, literally someone in the spirit and power of Elijah... And what was the message of Elijah? If Baal is God, if Baal is God, (laughs) get your God to answer you. But I'm declaring the true and the living God. Amen. It's just like Joshua's message. If Baal is God, then serve Baal. But if if Jehovah is God, then serve him. But choose you this day. You've got to make up your mind who you're going to serve. Because you're going to serve somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. I bow to no other God. Church is important. Amen. What the parents do is important. You're, if, if this is not important, your children are going to see what you do. The premium you put on God's word, God's house, God's worship. And God's people. Can you say amen? They're looking at you. They're looking at me. And my son knows where I stand. And I'm so glad down through all of these years. Amen. There was somebody out there with a... with a. They were trying to do something for their church. and They were standing in the median of a four-lane highway asking for donations. He looked over at his wife, my daughter-in-law, and he said, My daddy would never do that. And it's not because of pride. It's because, honey, I'll beg for my wife. I'll beg for my family if we're hungry. I'll beg for my dog if he needs something to eat. But I will not beg for Jesus. I would, quit. I would, I would rather walk out of that pulpit until I can find somebody... That that says he's worth, he's worth, Jesus is worth my time, Jesus is worth my support, Jesus is worth something, amen, I, I, listen, no more junk for Jesus, I will not beg for Jesus, please, please, the work of the gospel, winning others to Christ, please help us, I won't beg for him, I want to find somebody that puts a premium on him. He's worth my time. He's worth my best. He's worth the first fruits of my increase. He's worth it. Because if he ain't worth it, who am I preaching to? What is the point? And what's going to happen when the persecution really hits? There's no dedication or devotion. And my heartache and heartbreak is watching 
the falling away and looking at the empty seats and looking at people who know the gospel and know the kingdom should be first that are not putting it first. And where's it going to end up? Where's it going to end up? Some people in here are already in a backsliding mode. Do you know how far that's going to take you? Do you think when you decide, I'm in such trouble, I can put on the brakes at any time, so it's not important that I deal with it right now. I can just put on the brakes of my backsliding. I'm going to tell you something about backsliding. Amen. It's going to pull you all the way back. It ain't going to let you have a little bit of light and a little bit of religion and a little bit of relationship. It's going to pull you back into darkness. It's going to callous your heart. It's going to callous your heart until you can't be convicted. And you know what people generally do? They run from conviction. It's uncomfortable. But as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous and repent. I've been in too many emergency rooms when people were dying. I've conducted too many funerals. I've watched too many families broken up. I've seen too many Christians with covenants die early of diseases with a covenant of healing. And right now, I want revival more than I want a church full of people. (laughs) And I've committed myself to pour out everything that I've got left for the kingdom of God and to call his people to repentance, to call the called out, to come out and live with a different value system and a different standard in not just a culture but a church culture that is drifting further away from God while practicing the right religion. And what has happened Jesus said, if you don't repent, this is so intolerable to God. If you do not repent and do your first works, I'm going to come to you quickly. There's not going to be a space given for this. It is so obnoxious to God. We always put that off on Laodicea. We don't see it in Ephesus. I will come to you quickly. And I will do what? I will remove your candlestick, your lampstand, There's no wax on this. It is an oil-fueled lamp. And oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. You have grieved the Holy Spirit. You have went so far as to quench the Holy Spirit for practicing the right religion without relationship. And now the Holy Spirit is not active in your life. It's not active in your church. You go in and hear right things. You have a name that lives, but you're dead. Without the Spirit, you're dead. You're dead. And the Spirit has drawn back. And I can't stand to be in it. I don't care how good the Bible teacher is, and I don't care what kind of carrot cake they serve. Amen. After it's over. Thy words were found. I did eat them, and they were unto me. The joy and rejoicing of my heart. Would you bow your head just for a moment? We've been here a long time, but I want you to know where I'm coming from. Because there's churches all over the place that will embrace you and entertain you. 
No more junk for Jesus, Pamela. Not when we make a move from here. No more, well, that poor old church, you're giving them the leftovers. We'll keep the best. Give them the, the leftovers. There'll never be revival in a church that just gives God the leftovers because he's not worth anything. His work isn't than the leftovers of our life. Is God speaking to anybody about coming out and being separate unto him and seeking him? Is God speaking to anybody? Just lift your hand, put it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Sheila Bakuronda, all over this church, God is speaking to hearts and lives. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just praise you today. We need this service. We need this service. We need this service. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Now look this way and let's believe God together. I am committed. I've committed myself. Amen. When I look at all of this that I've had to, to see and I've had to deal with, I want to shout it from the housetops. I want to sound a warning to all who will listen. But my message is to people who care about God and who care about their life. Amen. Who don't just want the right religion, but want a real relationship with Him. And I'm here to tell you it's available. You can know the Lord. Can you say amen? And that's what He wants. Amen. When you come out, quit touching the unclean. He said, I'll receive you and be a father to you. You'll be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord. As it is written, I will walk in them and I will live in them. Hallelujah. And the next verse says, under that starts a new chapter. The thought has not been chopped off. It shouldn't even be there yet. And he said, "Having dearly beloved, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Come on, you know what it is, and I know what it is. I don't have to point it out. All filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the eyes of the Lord, glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Holiness is not a message of a Pentecostal denomination. It's God's message to His people for all time. Hallelujah. Woo! Let's just give Him some praise before we go. Pray for Allison's daughter. She's having a tough time getting this baby to come on. And we're just going to call this baby out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Is it all right to do that in prayer before we close? <laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I pray 
right now for this child, this little girl in the womb that wants to be born but is not ready to be born. Lord, that everything will open up and the passageway will open up and this baby will come out into this world and it will come out healthy and mama will be healthy. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're praying for. And that's what we're trusting for in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we just thank you once again today for this congregation. We thank you for the years that we have been affiliated in some way or another. But Lord, we thank you for the future because the message is clear. The message is clear. And there's a mighty revival that will occur to those that receive the message. For the hearts of the fathers will turn back to God. And then the hearts of the children will turn back to the fathers. Hallelujah. The hearts of the mothers will turn back to God. And the hearts of the children will turn back to the mothers. And we will see families swept into the kingdom of God. I'm holding out for every one of my loved ones to be saved, to be truly saved, and whatever chain that holds them to be broken in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Dear friends that have known the Lord, dear friends that have served the Lord, dear friends that are drifting, you need to put on the brakes today. In the name of Jesus Christ, you need to put on the brakes. You know what to do. It's time to turn around. It's t- oh yes, it's a U-turn. Amen. It says U-turns permitted. Oh yes, they are. You can turn around, but only you can do it. But the day you do it, God is going to come and run to you and restore you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we need you back on the battlefield. And God needs you back in the race. He needs somebody he can count on. Mike, no more junk for Jesus. There'll never be a revival while we plead for junk for Jesus. No more trying to appease everybody to get them to please come and hear the anointed word. I'm such a pitiful preacher. You need to come make me feel better by sitting there like a bump on the log. No, you need to go where you can just sit there and nobody bother you. And when it all comes crashing in, call that guy. I'm dead serious. Call that guy. Call that guy. No more junk for Jesus. Give me a true disciple that wants to follow him that I can challenge and teach no more begging for somebody to hear his word hallelujah hallelujah brother Taylor it's too late for all that junk for Jesus thank you I thank him every day for the shaking that came. We needed the shaking. I needed the shaking. Thank God it shook me. Hallelujah. 
I was faced with giving up pastoring because I got 44 years under my belt. Amen. And nobody can call me a quitter. I was faced with go all out or quit altogether. Pastoring, I'm not talking about preaching. This has nothing to do with my preaching call. This is whether or not I'm going to continue to try to get people to follow Jesus. Amen. Plead with them to follow Jesus. Beg them to follow Jesus. Beg them to come to church. Beg them to support the ministry. Oh, Lord, you're too big. You're too gracious. You're too great. You're too wonderful. We shouldn't have to beg anybody to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Not anybody that truly loves him. Hallelujah. So I've committed to a year. And I'm praying, Lord, with what we have here, send us hungry hearts. People that want the Word of God, that want to be right with God, that want to be challenged and changed on Sunday. Because we've had the other kind. Amen? We've had the other kind. Brother Venable, I know Brother Venable is a man of God. Well, if I be a man of God, where are you? I know Brother Venable preaches the truth. If I preach the truth, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you? Brother Venable, I love you. Oh, Brother Venable, I appreciate you so much. Oh, really? Where are you? Where are you? That's love. Give me a break. Don't lie anymore about it. I love you. No, you don't. Don't look me in the eye and lie to me. Brother Bill, are you upset? I've been upset for a long time. I've been upset for a long time. I just don't buy it anymore. We've got to get right with God and get real with God. I was that close. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting 15 to 20 emails a day. I tell you, if you want a job, they're out there. Because I went to one place to look online because I was going to retire from pastoral ministry and go to work and take care of my family because if I don't, I've denied the faith and, and I'm not going to deny the faith after all these years of preaching. it. And I, I'm still, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And I'm willing to do anything. Anything but go under and beg and plead and no, no, I won't do that. I won't do that. I will not do that. I've invested too much of my life in the gospel. Amen. And it's not about pride. It's about him and his glory. I serve a good king. I serve a good master. And, I, and there's some good people here. And you know what the Lord told me? Look at your core group. Look at the core of faithful. The core that serves and the core that receives and the core that supports. Don't look at the ones that don't. Because there's a whole lot that don't. But don't look at them. Look at your core. And look at your resources. Look at the land that's paid for. And man, they offered us $160,000 for our property five years ago. And we, of course, turned it down because we had a lot of people coming and thought they'd keep on coming. But they didn't. 
We had a lot of people saved and baptized, but they didn't come back and follow through. So we had to be real honest about that. I prayed and I said, Lord, what do you mean by resources? He said, approach them again. Don't stay there. He said, shake the dust off of your feet. And it's not against this community. It's against all the people that know this is the truth and know I'm a man of God and don't want to support it. Just shake the dust. That don't mean I'm being mean. It just means, listen, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings and publish peace. God said, this is a precious thing. Amen. This is not something to treat like it's treated. No more junk for Jesus. Can you say amen? Shake the dust off of your feet and go somewhere because there's somebody somewhere that will be glad to hear. Amen. A message that can set them free. A message that can get them separated from this old world, sanctified and meet for the Master to use. Can you say amen? But you can't just sit there and die, son. Amen. Not with this message burning in your heart, burning in your soul. Hallelujah. So I'm shaking my dust off already. Hallelujah. Because I've accumulated a lot of dust over the time. Amen. Amen. Wondering who's going to show up and who isn't. Who's going to put the kingdom first and who doesn't respect the king enough to do that. Can you say amen? And then wondering why is there no revival with this kind of anointing. It's because of that kind of religious practice without a real relationship with God. But God has called us out. And called us upward. Hallelujah. And I'm still holding out for a real Holy Ghost revival before Jesus comes. Hallelujah. And Brother Taylor, I can't turn it loose. There was a point in my life, and it's 1.30. How did it get that late? we got to close. Come and stand with me, and let's close together. Hallelujah. Amen. Hold me back. Hold me back. Hallelujah. Hold me back. <laughs> Thank you for staying with me today. Amen. I ain't got nobody to talk to but you. Amen. And I may not have you much longer, so i got to get you while I can. Amen. Glory be to God. For 44 years in January, I've stood behind a pulpit and cried. Some of you have been, during that tenure backslid on God for years. Amen. But you came back to God. I saw you come back to God. And I was rejoiced when you came back to God. And you didn't just come back to God. You came back with a deeper appreciation for God because you found out what it was like out there in that cold, indifferent world without hope and without God. Oh, were you dedicated when you came back. And I'm looking for some people to come back to God, Sister Rose. Hallelujah, hallelujah, because I'm still holding that standard for them. Glory be to God, hallelujah. But no more junk for Jesus. Father, I praise you for this congregation. I praise you for our assets. I praise you for an answer to prayer. I praise you for a fleece that's been answered. I praise you, and I'm willing to obey you. Hallelujah, because I see your hand in it. In Jesus' name, and for the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus, for the calling upon my life. Thank you for the anointing upon on this ministry that has never left no matter what condition we found ourselves in 
And thank you for the grace and mercy that has brought us to this place and this time in our life. And thank you for what you have. Thank you for what you have in our future. In the name of Jesus, I'm looking forward to it. And everyone said amen and amen and amen.